Hello, Ramp Church. I'm so excited to introduce you to a friend of mine and a friend of ours here at Ramp Church, Neil. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Neil, Neil Cornthwaite is the partnership manager here at Barnabas, and it's so cool to be coming to you today, uh, Ramp Church, from Bloom Street, right in Manchester City Center, uh, where Barnabas is a Christian charity, yeah. um, works with the homeless in our city, serves the homeless in our city, and sees some incredible stories of transformation yeah. that I can't wait for you to hear about um, straight from Neil. So we're in the middle of a, of a chapter here at Ramp Church where we're studying the book of James, but this has been one of, uh, Neil, this has been one of the most unique kind of chapters we've done where we've, where we've studied scripture, and the emphasis has really been not just on what do we feel like the Bible is, is telling us or leading us or instructing us, but it's also been how do we, uh, how can we plug our lives into some real needs in our city? Now, if you're just kind of joining this chapter, I do wanna encourage you to go back and catch up. That's the beauty of online church, right? It's all available on demand. And last week, we had an interview that was talking about the importance of our words and how they kind of frame our life, frame our world. So I want you to catch that. But we're also, um, like I mentioned, talking about some ways to plug your life in to gospel-oriented work in, in, the, in God's project of bringing renewal to our city. And, and we feel like the church is at its best when it's making Manchester not just best for the church, but best for every single person who lives here. Yeah, and so that's the posture we wanna carry. And, I, and Ramp Church, we wanna give you as many opportunities um, to do that and, and find other groups of people, other charities, other organizations that are doing that in our city. So that's what today is all about, is, is diving into Barnabas, who really for the first time we've partnered with this year. We'll talk more about that and, and what they've done. but. If, if you are just in, in, new to this chapter in the book of James, James is an interesting book. It's very practical. Um, but unlike some of Paul's writings, Paul kind of breaks down the gospel in, in, in little bits and helps you kind of understand uh, what it means. James is kind of assuming that you already believe the gospel and it's trying to, it's trying to, to, to let you see. James is trying to give us a vision for what does your life look like when you believe the gospel? And so it's, it's an incredible thing for seeing a community that's founded on the gospel and how that transforms us into people of justice and mercy. So I'm gonna read some scripture and then I wanna get into our conversation. So um, l- let me just read a few verses and we're skipping around really in the first three chapters of James right now. So let me first read Um, verses 9 and 11 from James chapter 1, and then I'm going to go down to James chapter 2 and read a big portion of Scripture there, Ramp Church, and then we'll get to the interview. So, James 1, verses 9 and 11. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them, and those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They'll fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and grass withers. The little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. Now, we don't really have time to dive into that in this interview, but it's an amazing thing about talking about the way the gospel levels the playing field. And it's not really about what's on the outside that God is considering when when he's looking at our faith, but it's the way all of us 
have to have the same starting point when we come to Jesus. And we're going to pray at the end um, over all of you who are watching, but for those of you that maybe the gospel is, is a new thing to you, I'll even dive into that passage a bit more. Let's go into James 1. I'm going to read the first 13 verses, a lot of verses, so if you can just hang on with me here. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry and another comes in who's poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Oof. Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? Verse six, but you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Now, if you remember when we talked about the the cultural context of James, that even explains some of those verses a bit more. Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? I love that verse. Yes, indeed, it's good when you obey the royal laws found in scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself, but if you favor some people over others, you're committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who's broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you've still broken the law. I love these last two verses. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you'll be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who've not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. So much packed in those scriptures. And Um, We're going to talk today about how some of that life uh, of of a community of justice and mercy looks like in action. Then we'll be able to dive into some of those verses more in home group this week. So, um, Neil, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to be with us here at Ramp Church. It's been awesome to partner with you this year. For for us as a lead team, we felt like going in to 2020 that... Um, works of justice and having a heart for justice would be a huge part of our journey as a community this year. Now, nobody knew (laughs) where we were going. Yeah, nobody knew what 2020 would look like, but I've been massively inspired to to hear from you, even the way the vision for you guys has evolved this year, and it's like nothing can hold you down, and you're seeing just opportunity everywhere instead of limitation. But for those, of, those in the Ramp Church community who are maybe new to Barnabas, what, what would you just say? Just a couple minutes to kind of give them an idea of, yeah. of your so, impact. Um, so we're a, a Christian homeless charity based in the heart of Manchester. And we've been established for, well, it'll be 30 years next year. Wow. Always a bit sweet thing to say because yeah. we don't want to be here. We don't want people sleeping on mm. our streets. Um, but the need was prevalent 30 years ago. And a um, beautiful couple, Peter and Beryl Green, they walk the streets of our city, like most of us do, yeah. see the issue uh, and thought, not on my watch, you know. Wow. Um, they themselves had an incredible testimony of being saved out of some difficult situations in their lives and Jesus turned their life around and they just thought, we can't, we can't walk by and not do something. So they started um, just with a flask, some sandwiches, and they would go and sit on Piccadilly Gardens and talk to people. You're kidding. Um, quickly that grew, and they, um, they quickly got a double-decker bus, which is why we're called Barna 
bus. No. So we are misspelt <laughs> for a reason. Um, but that bus... A little bit of trivia there for you, Ram. Yeah, yeah, that bus um, just started out with food, with clothing, and with access to medical care. Um, so we used to have, you know, volunteer doctors and nurses on, on that bus. Uh, and those three things are things that we've carried on all the way through, you know, what we do. Say those three things again. So we have food, yep. clothing, and access to medical care. Wow. Um, so that those three things still exist today in what we do. Um, and I, I wish, sorry to interrupt, but I yeah. wish you were here, Ramp Church, with us in this room. And it's one of the reasons why we wanted to film this on location. Yeah. I mean, we are on Bloom Street, right in the middle of city center. Yeah. And we pulled up to, to come for this interview. And we were just talking about this before the interview. It's just, what, a, what a location. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's incredibly right here in the middle of so many Yeah, meetings. So this building we got 20 years ago. Um, okay. So on that journey, you know, the bus is no longer with us. Yeah. Uh, and we got this building, the Beacon. So it's got that name Love as it. well um, for, for that reason, where we are in the city center. And um, then from here, we've been serving people um, over the years with that food, that clothing, with now with showers, access to medical care. We built on that with activities and classes and groups that run, uh, ran in the building. It's all pre-COVID, obviously. <laughs> um, and, you know, over probably the last eight years, um, we developed our support work. So rather than just feeding people, which, you know, on one level is a good thing to do. Sure. Putting clothes on people's back, great but we knew that wasn't transforming lives and okay. it wasn't taking people off the streets. Wow. So over the last eight years, we worked really hard to um, make a pathway for people to get away from the streets into accommodation um, and then long-term not return to homelessness. Um, and over that, over that period of time, that's been with other agencies, with the local authority, with, count, with the council and provision, but also other charities, yeah. uh, mainly focused on Manchester, but we also have some links in other, other boroughs. And um, that kind of climaxed, I guess, last year, which is, it, this is, a, again, a bittersweet thing to say because we were helping people, but the numbers were huge. Mm. So last year we served 2,500 people, um, which just gives you a scale of the problem uh, in the massive. city. Uh, and one thing I will say in that, homelessness is not just rough sleeping. Homelessness is anybody who can't call somewhere their own home. Wow. So rough sleeping is the visible end. Okay. You know, when you're walking around the city centre, you might see people in doorways or sleeping in doorways. But homelessness can also be temporary accommodation, hostels, B&Bs, and people who just stay on other people's sofas. Or, I you see. Know, Which isn't as visible when you're walking city centre. No, no. Wow. So those big numbers are not reflective of who was sleeping on the streets, but that's I just see. big numbers of people who are in the system. Yeah. Um, and those 600 people then that we accommodated out of that 2,500, which is the good news, I suppose, within all of that, yeah. is that we managed to help 600 people get off the streets. Amazing. Which is brilliant. And, you know, we have great links with all the different services in the city. And last year, I guess you could say that was a huge success. Yeah. But we weren't satisfied. Okay. And we knew the Lord was challenging us. Um, so it's really interesting to look back now, post-COVID. But in November 2019, um, we actually had something happen with our referral process with the city council. And we couldn't do what we used to do. And we were just really frustrated. Uh, and we just sensed that things were changing and we, we needed to change in order to work better with the, the, in the city centre. So we embarked on a journey of changing our service. So from wow. these huge numbers, we actually decided we were gonna serve less people, but we were gonna focus on the people that other services weren't so looking bold, after. That's a bold decision. Huge decision, uh, a little scary, not gonna yeah. lie, uh, but we knew the Lord was in that. And um, come to January 2020, 
we got we secured some funding so we could do an early morning session just for people who were rough sleeping in Manchester. Okay. One of the things that we'd identified was you wake up in the morning, there's nowhere to go to the toilet. Hmm. There's nowhere to go and get a hot brew at like 7 a.m. We used to be open sort of mid-morning and people would come and they would get breakfast and showers and clothing, everything great. But you've missed that window yeah. that you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So we started in January, one person came and we thought, okay, are we doing the right thing? So pre-COVID, this is pre-lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then by the time we got to March, we were serving 15 to 20 people every morning and wow. coming in. A lot of people would just come in, get a brew, sit at a table, put their head down, go to sleep because it was a safe, warm environment for oh them. But then we were able to talk to people and we would be able to these people connect because when there was a big crowd in here, and this is not a very big space as you can experience right, now, right. we would serve 70 to 80 people in here in a session and people got missed. The quiet ones, the ones who just wanted to sneak in, get yeah. something and leave, yeah. we wouldn't speak to them. Yeah. But these so there are real needs in the room and you're feeling the sense of we could meet these, but we're not because yeah. it's more about quantity. Yeah. Yeah. quality and ramp church right behind us is the kitchen so all those people are being serviced yep. at this kitchen yeah, yeah, yeah. and this is a, this is a, this a is small, a small space. space yeah, yeah. so uh, then covid happens so then march um we are part of the everyone in campaign so um the government's initiative to get everybody off the streets everybody into a hotel room um, because at that point we expected covid to sweep through the rough sleeper population. You know, we expected it to be, I guess, like the care homes we're experiencing. I we see. expected that with the rough sleepers. So we were part of that project. We were doing referrals. I think we did 20 in one morning, you know, in one of those rough sleeper thing um, sessions. Uh, and then we had to close because this space is not big enough uh, to social distancing when you've got 20, 30 people. <laughs> uh, and the city centre was empty. Um, and actually it was not a dangerous place, but the police advised us to, you know, do something different. So we immediately switched our service around. We moved out to a church just outside the city center and we set up there and we started making the food that would be in the hotels. Uh, because, and, because at that point, rough sleepers are in hotels. Yes. Hotels are housing. Oh, as in this is early on in the lockdown. Yeah, so this is March, April. Yeah. And so we went from, yeah, running a drop-in to running a kitchen. What in the world? And, but when we were there, we were um, able to just serve them three meals a day. Um, and I think by the end of June, we'd done 40,000 meals, which is incredible. 40,000? 40, 40,000 meals. So that is a busy team. So are you, are you delivering? Is that what no, you were doing? No, so a bit of delivery, um, but we were um, working with the council. So there was some delivery happening with the council. We worked with two other charities, well, the church and a reach out to the community to make it all happen. So we were between us, you know, we kind of made that happen. It was a big space, so we could all social distance in there. So it was yep. much easier to, to cook. Incredible. Well, in, in, in just a minute, I want to hear how you feel like the gospel and your faith even maybe it infuses or fuels, you know, some of the yep. mission that you're on. But before we get there, um, I've loved the way your thinking and your vision here at Barnabas has continued to progress throughout lockdown. Yep. Yep. And so walk us through that journey a bit. So from the 40,000. From the 40,000 meals, then we, um, we knew we had to come back here. Um, okay. We knew we needed to reopen because the hotel project was, was coming to an end. Yep. During um, that period, we came back to the city centre and did an outreach. Okay. Um, we actually, what did that look like? So we partnered with um, Vine Life Church. Yeah. Um, and we went out on the streets, little teams, three of us, um, and we would go from here, take a little bit of food, hot drinks, 
and we'd early morning, we'd just walk the streets and mm. looking for people. And it was wow. the most bizarre experience, like an apocalypse. There was nobody else here. There was us, the police, the construction work, because construction carried on. Continued, yes. And, uh, and our guys. Wild. And there were days when we were just, I'd, I'd, I'd get so complacent, I'd be walking down the middle of the road because there was no cars. Um, but in that period, there was, a, there was a cohort of guys who didn't make it into the hotels or didn't mm. sustain their place in the hotels. Yeah. But uh, being out in the street, we could go and find them. The main thing was to make sure they were okay. They didn't have symptoms. Um, we didn't need to act upon anything, you know, to keep yep. them safe. Yep. Um, and then, because of the nature of what we were doing, we were able to pray with people. Um, we had one guy who'd come out of one of the, the hostels and he was struggling with mental health. He told us he was self-harming and self-harming worse when he was inside than when he was on the street. Wow. So we just, we just kept meeting him in the because he knew, we knew his spot and he'd, he'd be there. So we managed to see him most days. And then one day he just said to us, I need to go, I need to go back. And we're like, oh great. And we prayed with him regularly during that time. Uh, and people say that to us all the time and you think, well, are they gonna do it? We don't know. But anyway, he gathered his stuff in front of us and off he went. And I thought, well, hopefully, We'll see. Three hours later, um, our CEO, Yvonne, gets a call from that, from that accommodation. So he's come back. Whatever your team did this morning, he's come back. You're kidding. And what he later told us was the moment he felt safe was the moment we prayed for him. Oh. And that goodness. convinced him he should go back. What in the world? There's so, the natural and the, and oh, the spiritual amazing. coming together yeah, yeah. right there in that moment, that story. Um, and then just during that time, we were able to, I think we put six people back into their accommodation in a period of probably about four or five weeks. Yeah. Um, but um, I've done outreach for 20 years. I've never, never experienced that level of success, if you like, because we had such a great offer. We could say, you can have your own hotel room. Yeah. Historically, it was dorms, it was mm-hmm. hostels, and, mm-hmm. and the guys are resistant to that. You know, some would prefer to stay on the streets than go into a hostel, and I get that. You know, yeah. it feels scary, it's intimidating. But sure. when you can offer them their own room, wow. they took us up on it. So there was a, a slight silver lining with COVID yeah. that we could have yeah. their, they could have their own rooms. Yeah. Um, so we carried on the outreach. We knew there was around 30, 39 people out on the streets, so we knew we needed to reopen here, and we knew we couldn't do what we did before, and we knew we had this new plan in the back of our minds. So we went- of quality, yeah. going deep with, with a few people. So we went straight from being closed to reopening with our new strategy. So we didn't have a middle ground, which we were expecting. Yeah. So the Lord- No just, transition period nope, there. No, bang, straight in. <laughs> um, but obviously it was even smaller numbers. So the space that we're in now only allows us to have two guests in at any one time. Um, plus obviously our staff and, and volunteers, and we can only have five. Uh, of those. So um, it's tricky, it's mm-hmm. slow, yep. um, uh, and we have to clean everything <laughs> all the time. Uh, and we've all got our masks on, a face mask, we take temperatures as we did with you uh-huh. on the way in. Uh-huh. Um, and so we have to follow all that COVID protocol, but we're still seeing people housed and we're still mm-hmm. seeing people helped, which is the mm-hmm. thing, I guess, that we're so passionate about. We don't want people to get lost. We don't want yeah. people to get lost in the system yeah. or feel ignored or feel. Um, like their second best because they are homeless yep. in a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Restoring else, dignity. Yeah, everybody else yeah. gets the help. All the yeah. furlough, all the different things, but right. they don't get the help. Yeah. So, so one of the things that that comes up um, in our conversations has been you, you're comparing this from from now being 20 years in this world. You're comparing this um, common cycle, and that often the homeless are on where they receive help and maybe they even go a step further and they get on a path 
of restoration mm-hmm. for their life. But then eventually they'll get off of that path and then start back at the beginning. And you see that cycle, but part of the new vision for you is to step into that cycle, identify who you think is ready to go all the way with yeah. that journey. Yeah. And so when you're talking about quality, is that the way kind of you would, you would explain that, even, even breaking that cycle? Take people into that journey. Yeah, so we bring people in here. Um, they come through the front door, they'll get a, something to eat, something to drink, get a shower, get some clothing, but most importantly, sit with one of our engagement workers. Yeah, I can see that your two stations right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah all perspex up, all ready to go, <laughs> so we can talk to, to people, we don't have to use masks. And uh, that's the moment where we want to do a referral. We want to get somebody into accommodation. So that could be a temporary room in a hostel in, um, in one of our partner uh, organizations. Uh, and once they're in there, we're then we're listening. We're listening to see, are they following the rules? Do they want to make change? Are they engaging with the services that are there? Uh, and then we have a separate team who work in our office, which is just down the road here, mm. uh, in our caseworker team. And they will then pick that person up and say, let's see if we can work with them and get them to the point where they can have their own tenancy. Uh, so we have a resettlement worker then who would work with that person and um, take them on that journey of how do I establish a home? How do I pay my bills? Mm. Can I get back to work? What training do I need? All the different myriad of things. It's a holistic. Yeah, yeah. And you know, on that journey, there's, there's probably mental health that needs dealing with, sure. certainly addiction from most of the people that we're talking about. Um, they want to engage with doctors and medical care. But for us, every interaction with Barnabas, we're hoping and we're believing that they're gonna meet Jesus wow. in that journey. Um, and you know, we have volunteers in here from lots of different backgrounds, um, not necessarily all of them are Christians, but we, I love it when I do have Christians in here because yeah. that's another opportunity for people to just chat Jesus with yeah. the people around them. Uh, and then my long-term dream um, around that resettlement work is to have partner churches who when we resettle somebody in a house, we can ring up and say, they're living here, they're Could in you your area. Them? Could you help them with finding the bus stop? Where's the gym? Um, can they get to work? All those different things. Placing and the lonely in families. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And um, we'll train people. It's, um, it's not, it, that sounded very straightforward when I say it in a sentence, <laughs> but we, we know the people we're dealing with, um, there's complex issues yeah. and um, we've got to keep everybody safe. So we yeah. would train people in those churches to understand the nuances yeah. particularly around manipulation and particularly sure. around you know, healthy boundaries and all those kind of things. Um, but I'm convinced that is the key to um, eradicating homelessness in our city. Wow. It's the church, wow. community, and the love of Jesus behind that. Amazing. I mean, what honestly, what a bold statement you just made, yeah, eradicating yeah. homelessness. I mean, that I, I just love how, how bold that vision is. And it's a lot, it, it's a lot different than saying, we simply want to serve the homeless mm, yeah, in our yeah. city. And you're, 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 in essence, wanting to work yourself out of a job yep, in yep. many ways. <laughs> and we, we joked about it in here the other day with my team. We were saying, well, we're basically working towards redundancy, aren't we? <laughs> so, yes, we are. Because um, that's one of, the, one, of my, one of my pet frustrations. Um, we call it the homelessness sector. Mm. It becomes an industry. And Whoa. And the danger with that is that you then serve the problem to wow. keep yourself in work. Instead of solving Whereas it. our mentality is we want to eradicate the problem. My goodness. And I'm out going to something else, Whoa. thank you very much. It, and that changes your focus, it changes the way you look at it's the huge, problem. Huge, huge. Um, because ultimately we have hope. 
Come on. And most of the people that we uh, see who come into this space have no hope or very little hope. Wow. So we're constantly putting into the hope oh, into them. So Amazing. Yeah. So do you feel like there's a story of someone who almost is, a, is, is one version yeah. of what yeah. you've seen maybe many times, but that's also in your heart to see more and more of. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So just over a year ago, um, we had um, one of the guys, he, um, he traveled here from um, Hull and he got on a train and he, he describes getting on the train going, I've just picked any city because he was running away from you know, problems and issues. Wow. And he picked Manchester and he came to Manchester and um, he got off the train at Piccadilly Station, which is uh, just half a mile from here. Yeah. Uh, and first person he met who was begging, he said, where should I go for help? And they said, you should go to Barnabas. So what in the world? he had no idea and he came here. And it was a Thursday and, and back, this is obviously a year ago, so pre-COVID, on a Thursday we had Godslot. And Godslot was, is the moment in the week where we, um, I guess, turned this space into something that looked a bit more like church. Mm -hmm. So we had somebody who would lead worship. Um, and somebody who would share or um, a testimony or you know, preach and there'd be opportunities to, to have prayer and, and obviously we'd have tea and cake. We'd of course, cake. of course. Um, so um, yeah, that day, he was a Thursday, he came, he engaged with our team in the morning um, and my um, support team worked on a referral for him. So he was hanging around outside waiting for his accommodation referral uh, when the team from The Message came Come on. Uh, to lead the God slot. And they chatted to him outside, persuaded him to come in because he needed a coffee and he wanted coffee and he liked coffee. And they said, well, there'll be coffee. We're going to sing some songs, but there'll be coffee. So he came in and he sat what there. What we'll do for coffee. Exactly. Yeah. And he was there and, uh, and not, really, not really knowing what he was walking into. And he, he would say that himself. And uh, one of the guys from the message shared his testimony of getting saved in prison on Spice, which is just off the scale wow. testimony and his life story had a lot of mirror images with with our um, guest so um yeah and so he offered the opportunity to for everybody to you know pray the prayer give their lives to jesus yes. and um that's what happened and our guest he was he described himself as crying like a baby at the end of the session what this is a hard-nosed you know rough sleeper world? And uh, yeah, he- And he just arrived in Manchester. Just arrived in Manchester, just arrived at Barnabas, and there he is giving his life to Jesus. Not really <laughs> sure what he's letting himself in for, but he described a weight lifting off him. He described oh. feeling new, feeling like a child, um, and didn't know what that was, and he wanted to know more. So Paul from The Message just led him through that beautifully, and they just sat and chatted. And I didn't really know what happened, because I was in the room, managing the room, you know, managing the space. And they were having this deep conversation, which I knew was good, and there was prayer happening. I was like, this is great. Uh, and then he got a call from my office, from my team, uh, Stephen, got him this referral, and off he went to the Embassy Bus, which is okay. another Christian project in the city. Amazing. Put him on there. So he's new Christian, in a Christian environment. They do discipleship on that in, you know, every day. So he was just lapping it up, and he did great. Uh, and because it was a message team who was here, they obviously had met him and liked him and thought he would fit in their house, uh, the Oaks. So they um, took him on board a week later. Uh, and now a year later, he's still doing well. Um, and he's in there uh, and he's been on mission trips what? to Germany. What in the uh, world? It's amazing. And then I spoke with him just the other week and his, um, his daughter, who he was estranged from, has re-engaged with him. He's been able to reach out to her, had great conversations to the point where they went to meet each other and in that moment, she was like, well, I didn't believe all this God stuff you've been going on about, but now I've seen you and you are completely different 
tell me more. What and so, in the world? This is, this is this not is, just a person's practical needs being met. That's important. Yeah. But this is a family tree being transformed. Yeah. I mean, it's the start of like new life it's, coming into this yeah. family tree. And for me, that's the, the dream, that we have guys that walk in here broken, the broken cities and broken walls that we read about in scripture, yes. and they restore. Wonderful. Not us. I mean, yeah, obviously I'm, I'm part of that journey and the volunteers and Barnabas is part of that journey. But the moment they start leading others down the same path, I know that's going to have long-lasting fruit because I've never slept in a doorway. I don't know what that's like to be beaten up at night, to have a drug addiction, those kind of things. But he did and he does and he continues to, to share that story with others. So I have a bit of a personal question now. So feel free to avoid the question <laughs> if you'd prefer. But was there, uh, was there a point in your own spiritual journey where you felt conviction or compelled uh, to, 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 to turn maybe what is for many of us just a spiritual, it's like in the spiritual part of our lives or it's in the Sunday morning portion of our lives. It's in like this, I have a religious portion and then there's other parts. Uh, what, what was that journey for you to go, okay, I'm gonna take this from just being a Jesus, me and Jesus thing to I need, I need to put this faith into action and do you remember, was that a journey or have you always been kind of engaged in um, social? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think it's a journey. I think it's definitely a journey. I think um, when I first, I got saved at university and yeah. I guess when I first got saved, it was, I was just figuring out me, Jesus. Well, of course, wow, of wow. course, yeah. Um, then I had an encounter a few years later um, that opened my eyes, should we say, to the father's heart. Wow. What does that mean to be a father and, you know, yeah. and a lot of healing around my relationship with my father and, and other things in my life. But then I began to look at others and was like, I can help other people. And Whoa. I guess uh, I've got, um, you know, pastoral gifting and, and I, I, I love that. I love helping other people. And so that <clears throat> began a journey where I was doing that more, um, just helping other people encounter Jesus or, you know, um, I guess you bit of discipleship, those kind of things in yeah. my church context. Yeah. Um, and I'd had uh, blessed, been blessed to go to Tanzania um, as part of uh, a gap year that I did um, when I just got saved. And that stuck with me. You know, the, the poverty that I saw there yeah. is nothing like the poverty here. You know, the, the poverty there was just so extreme and so eye-opening. Yeah. And I was like, I've got to do something about that. But I knew, some people go to Africa and that's it. They're going to Africa, aren't they, on the mission field yeah. and they get hooked by that. But I knew that it wasn't, wasn't Africa the Lord was speaking to me about. It was about here. At that time, I didn't really understand that. So then I'm on this father heart journey and I'm learning about looking after other people. And it just began to hit me that, you know, I can't just do that in the church. I can't just do that for the Christians or the people who are, you know, middle-class people that I hang out with, whatever. Yeah. And, um, and being um, in Manchester, obviously there's been a homeless issue for 20, you know, well, for longer than I've been around, but I've engaged with it 20 years ago just doing outreach with my church and um, meeting people out on the street and just beginning to engage. And I probably did that for 10 years. Mm. Uh, and I thought, this is good, but it's not transforming lives. It's not what I want. It's not my passion because um, I'm just feeding people. And although yeah. that's nice and it's a good thing to do, it's not changing not lives. Yeah. So um, yeah, about 10 years ago, I was actually on staff um, at Vine Life Church and I ended up 
ended up, it's the Lord, isn't it? <laughs> I ended up connecting with Peter, who runs mm. Barnabas. And he had a building, I had a load of people, and we're like, let's work together. So I began running here 10 years ago, and that really began to open my eyes to the, the complexity of the issues, the, the characters that we meet. <laughs> um, the, I always say the best salespeople sit on the street of our city. Um, I, wish they were, I wish they were in shops and car showrooms and all those sort of things. Um, and I began to just, the Lord just, I guess, I guess began to fall in love with wow. the people who are the most um, vulnerable and wow. most on the edge of our society. And at that point, I didn't know how that would work out, how I could do more than what I was already doing. And, um, but I remember uh, being really inspired by Heidi and Roland Baker yeah. and their ministry. And uh, of course, they started with homelessness in London. Of course, yeah. uh, and I, I encountered them talking about Mozambique, which was great. But I just, I guess what we've just been talking about, I love the fusion of practical, we're going to feed you, but we're going to pray yeah, for you. We're going to yeah. see healings. We're going to see resurrection. And I was like, that's what I want. I don't just want to feed people. I want Beautiful. them to meet Jesus. Um, so I guess that's my, the last 10 years I've been yeah. kind of working out, well, the Lord's yeah. been working it yeah. out before me of how I've you know, done day that. Day by day, week by week kind of a deal. Yeah. So now five, I'm five years into working full time here at Barnabas. Um, and still every day is a journey. Every day I'm learning, every day is different, every day is a challenge, but the Lord's completely going before us. And um, I feel like you know, that the story of our friend who got saved at Godslot is for me, is, that's, the, that's yeah. the seed, that's the that's mustard seed. That's what keeps seed. you going. Yeah, yeah, that's my, that's possible. Let's do it again, Lord. Come on. Um, obviously we felt slightly knocked off course a little bit by COVID, yeah. but the Lord's not knocked off course by yeah, that, is he? And, yeah, yeah. And we're still helping people. So, um, yeah, that's oh, my journey. I love journey. it. I love it. I, you know, <laughs> obviously, that's the first time I've heard your personal journey mm. in that. And a few things stick out to me that I feel like are, are lessons, points of inspiration for us, Ram Church. Number one is um, you weren't born doing homeless ministry. I know that sounds funny, but I mean, for some of us who maybe, maybe we haven't been involved or maybe we feel like, it's easy to categorize that as, well, that's just a certain type of person that does that. Mm. They just have a certain inclination. Yep. They're the people that, that help others. I don't even know where to start. It's so far out of my comfort zone. And so it's really neat to hear that this for you has been a progression. It's been a journey. Mm. And it's not like, um, and it's also, I think also sometimes we go, well, you know, those, that's for people who are really in love with Jesus and they just wake up one day, you know, they, they give their life to Jesus and every, you know, everything in their heart is like, I just want to help everybody in the world. And I'm not saying there aren't elements of that, but I think that's one point for us, Ramp Church, to go, what's the next step? Yeah. What's the next step in yeah. this journey? What's the next step in, what's the next little opportunity that, that I can kind of expand my comfort zone, that I can start to serve others, that I can that I can want to, to, to see God touch mm. other people's lives through my own life. Mm. The other thing that sticks out to me about your journey is when is the, the, the revelation of God's heart towards you, the Father heart mm. towards you, and then wanting to, to bring that revelation to others. And it makes me think of um, the, the, the way the New Testament describes our own love life journey with others that we love because Christ first loved us. Yeah. And Ramp Church, that's a, that is an invitation for all of mm. us. That to, to what? To receive and then to give. Yeah. And it's not just this outside-in kind of perspective where God's called me to give, 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 give. 
until I'm empty and spent and can't figure out my left from my right. No, it's, it's this I'm receiving. Mm-hmm. And out of that place of receiving a revelation of how much I'm loved by God, how much I'm accepted by God, I can't help but want to, to bring yeah. other people in that storyline. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so Ramp Church, I, I just think it's, this is a beautiful, beautiful opportunity for us to remember that truth. And it, it makes me, brings, to me, it brings me back to the invitation of James, part of the revelation of the book of James when it's talking about that level playing field that... Really, what is that level playing field? It's this. It's if maybe you are watching this and you're not a person who has great physical needs. And so you, you may be the rich that James is talking about here. Well, the starting point to come to Jesus is always going to be hunger. Mm. It's going to be, I recognize that I have a need. And so that's why James is saying you need to exalt in the fact that you've been brought low. What is that low place? It's recognizing I need, I need the Father's love. And then maybe you're watching this and you're not somebody who would consider that you would consider I'm rich. I have, I have plenty. You're going, I'm in a desperate place physically. Uh, I, need, I have needs that need to be met. If, if, if you're in that place and the gospel is, uh, James is saying, then you need to glor- glorify God for the fact that he's now made you rich in spirit. That that place of hunger, that place of recognizing your need is the entryway to the kingdom. It's the entryway to go, Jesus, I want to know you. I recognize I have a need that nothing in this world can satisfy. And maybe you've never said yes to Jesus before. This is, this is an incredible time to do that. And it, 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 there's, no, there's no formula behind it. It starts with what we just talked about. It's, it's recognizing our need. I, I'm struck, Neil, even by some people who, who perhaps you've walked with, some of the stories you told and there are people who maybe aren't quite ready for a life transformation yet. Yeah. Even though their physical needs, they're in great need physically, but they're not quite ready to make a change. And so for some of us, I think that's gonna help us. It doesn't really, it doesn't matter what's on the outside. Until you're ready to go, God, I need you. I need what Jesus has done. And the beautiful thing about that is there's nothing we can do to serve God, but there's nothing we can do that can disqualify us from being accepted by Jesus. Today, just reach out, and and I want I want to pray with you, but then Ramp Church. I also uh, after this prayer, I want to give you an invitation to even engage in what God's doing in Bartimus, and uh, in the partnership that God wants to do here. So let's let's pray together. If you want to make the decision to to reorient your life around Jesus, let's let's pray together. It, you can pray in your own words, but I can I can get you started um, if you want some words to pray. Let's pray together. Say, Heavenly Father. Thank you for the opportunity to see Jesus today. I want to know your love. I want to know your forgiveness. Lead me into life. Lead me into hope. I want to give my life to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And if that's the first time you've ever prayed that prayer, uh, there's a link in the in the right below this video. Just click on that. It says new here. You can reach out to us. And one of our team want to just celebrate that, that decision with you, but also put some tools in your hand to help walk this out. This, this life is best lived in community together following Jesus. But Ramp Church, we are in a season uh, this year 
especially we're putting emphasis on this. But we're in a season right now in this, in this book of James where we're looking, how do we make our faith practical? How do we make it tangible? So we, we, do, we want to partner with, with Barnabas, and we want to do that through our participation when lockdown lessons, and we partnered with you a bit yep. some this year. Yep. We, we want to do more of that, but I also want Ramp Church to give financially. Mm. So, you know, if we're going to give today, what are some of the things we're helping to see happen right now? Yeah, so you're helping to see um, lives transformed. So, Brilliant. you know, money given um, helps keep this building open, yep. helps us to feed people, clothe them, shower them. Um, helps to uh, sustain our work uh, across the city. Um, we are um, embarking on a breakfast project that helps pe- feed people um, during the winter months. Um, that's a partnership that we're doing across the city. Um, so there's food that needs buying for that. There's PPE, yeah. um, all the different things that, that need to happen to, to make uh, the service safe and to serve the guys and girls that we work with. So Ramp Church, what an, what an incredible opportunity for us to get involved in what God's doing through Barnabas. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for, for having me. Yeah, for even great. inviting us to be a part of this story, the story that God's writing through Manchester. Mm. And I love in, in, in much of what you said, how many partnerships just came into that story. Yeah. Barnabas partnered with different organizations. And Ramp Church, what would it look like? Just imagine with me. If all of us recognized the gift of God that's been given to different organizations, different charities, different churches in our city, and instead of instead of just being instead of being insular, we started to join arms with other organizations and going, it's going to take all of us to reach our city. It's going to take all of us to see God's dreams for Manchester come to pass, where there's a city that's created that's built on uh, on the work of Jesus, and it provides human flourishing for all. And thank you, Ramp Church, for being a part of this. The giving details are on the screen. You can give and be sure to note Barnabas um, in the notes of that gift. And everything you give is going to go straight in to to, to partnering with all that you're doing in our city. So thank you, Ramp Church, for being a part. We're going to continue in our study of the book of James. So be sure to to read and study the, the discussion guide this week for home groups. And also... Tune in next week where you're going to hear some more about how we can put our faith into action. So you are loved. We're going to sing a song together to kind of close our service out. Um, And we'll see you soon.